0: Hello, and welcome to The Union Podcast. My name is Brian Pugh, and I am co-founder of The Union Movement, uh, alongside my wife, uh, Bonnie. And we started this organization just to help people find wholeness in sexuality, identity, and relationships with a gospel-centered and holistic approach. And so this is what this podcast is all about. If you're new here, we just want to welcome you. Uh, If you're a return listener, welcome back. We're so glad that you've uh, decided to come back. And we, again, as always, hope that this conversation is really life-giving for you and uh, is equipping for your walk as you experience um, the beauty of God's design for these areas. Uh, in this uh, episode, uh, episode 72, we are picking up with part two of seven ways that leaders can start talking about sexuality. And if you missed part one, uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. It's actually really short. It's probably the shortest one we've ever done. It's only about 15 minutes long, but it highlights the first three points of the seven that we're gonna walk through. And you know, we've kind of done this in a backwards way. In showing uh, the seven ways that leaders can start talking about sexuality, we're actually identifying the seven ways, some of the seven ways that leaders don't, and the reasons why they don't. So um, just to recap what we've talked about so far, uh, number one is dodging the need. I think a lot of times leaders feel like there isn't a need to talk about it, but if you look at stats, you just look at society, you look at the culture that we're living in, it is very clear um, just by those points that we need to be talking about this, but also the scriptures are so clear about that as well. A lot of leaders feel, uh, point two, feel under-equipped. They feel like, oh man, this the way things are going and just how intense things are. Um, I don't have what it takes and I can't do this. And so, uh, we need, we need to have, make sure that we are encouraged and, um, and really just be seeking out some wisdom and um, some kind of proper perspective on this issue, on the multitude of issues that uh, pertain to sexuality. And um, and that's why we're doing this podcast as well. And that's why we started the union. But um, that's important for all leaders who are feeling under equipped really in any area. Um, and lastly, shadows from the past. A lot of times leaders can, if they haven't found healing from the things of the, their past or even current areas of sin in their own life, uh, they end up living in shame and shame. Shame will silence um, people. Uh, will silence leaders, um, and uh, we need to overcome that. We need to find healing. We need to find separation, as I say, uh, f- from our heart and our history, and and that's what Jesus loves to do. So as we pick up the next four. Parts here, the next four points of how leaders uh, can start talking about sexuality by looking at what keeps them from doing it. Uh, we see point four is fear of the mob. Fear of the mob. I don't know. I've been off social media for several months now. I don't even know uh, how long it's been, but I've kind of been out of what. The mob is like, you know what I mean? It's hard to, I remember when I was on there, it was hard to just see some of the stuff that was being posted. And then you're dealing with, you know, fear of commenting, fear of posting back or something like that. And Everybody's fear, fearful of being uh, canceled. And a lot of times leaders feel that if I start to speak about this stuff, I will get caught up in piles of controversy, rejection, uh, even fines, (laughs) threats, loss of my job or worse. Uh, Where I live up in Canada, we're dealing with a lot of um, a lot of uh, the government kind of putting in some boundaries, some very ambiguous boundaries, which is such a weird word. Like, how do you have undefined boundaries? But there's a lot of bills coming forward around um, around censorship, around even holding to a biblical perspective on sexuality and identity. And it's considered hate speech in a lot of ways, just to have a biblical perspective. Now, I understand that you can you can use a biblical perspective to fuel your hatred, but that doesn't mean that having a biblical perspective is hateful. But this is what we're dealing with uh, specific, specifically in Canada right now. And w- how that affects church leadership um, is very going to be very interesting to see. That was not on my notes, that was totally for free. But um, But I think that's a lot of pressure that people are feeling, whether you're in Canada or not, whether you're, government is making those types of uh, stances or not, but there is a cost to raising your voice. That is a hundred percent true. And I don't think there's any way to get around that. And you look in history within the church, it always costs people. To to speak uh, to speak truth um, to a society and to and really to fulfill the prophetic mandate that the church has, it it will cost us something. It costs it costs a church who was unwilling to participate in the segregation um, in of uh, blacks from whites in in America. Um, not and. You know, not to say that was 100 percent perfect and how everything went down, but like the reality is, it would have cost it would have cost them greatly to speak up against the social norms and the structures within society that were destroying people who are made in the image of God and belittling and dehumanizing people who are made in the image of God. And so we have to remember that Jesus commanded us to go into the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded us to do. That includes teaching about sexual ethics. If the risk of loss is too great for you, you might be in the wrong profession. Ouch, that hits a little hard, doesn't it? But that's the reality is as a church leader, we have to be, we are called by Jesus, loving, compassionate, patient, kind Jesus, um, to make disciples of all nations. That means that we are speaking, uh, two things with a biblical worldview. We are speaking to the lies within society that keep people from experiencing the life that Jesus, uh, desires for them, that, that, that that the the things that contradict his design and what it means to be human, we need to be speaking to those things. And if, if counting that cost is too much, then, um, man, we, we might be in the wrong profession. I'm just going to let that linger. (laughs) Um, the next point is a lot of times we are not wanting to cause damage, and I think um, as we look back in church history on a multitude of subjects, the church has not always navigated everything with the right heart. We can we can have all our points in a row and be accurate on paper, but then with our tone, with our with our heart, which comes through um, sometimes stronger than our organization of thoughts and doctrine and everything, um, we don't always carry the heart of Jesus, even though um, we're speaking the truth, and that's why, you know, Ephesians four tells us to be speaking the truth in love. Right, those are not separate things. You know, we have to have both of those things firing, and we see that in the life of Jesus that he he would um, have hard, difficult conversations with people. He was not afraid to address sin in people's lives, but he was going to the cross for them. He was willing to sacrificially serve them, and that was the position of his heart. And everything he said um, was that by love. And I, and I think again, like something to bring it into kind of our our generation, we are dealing with a lot of reactionary theology and reactionary um, perspective to what was kind of coined as purity culture through the 80s to like early 2000s, where it may have been noble in some of its um, motivation to just be speaking to sexuality and like trying to call people to holiness and to call people to, to modesty, but Unfortunately, the, the means um, do not justify or the end doesn't justify the means is what I'm trying to say. Like, just because you had good intentions, you can have good intentions and be wrong. Um, you know, I think we, we dealt with things in a very fear based, um, shame based way. And, um, and really we're not gospel centered. We were not, um, we were not making the topic about a relationship and, and lordship and discipleship to Jesus. It was really more so about behavioral, behavioral modification and less about the transformation that faithfully following Jesus really brings to our life. And also we, you know, like we cannot, the, the gospel does not mix with shame. You know what I mean? The gospel does not, uh, it's like water and oil. They will not mix together. You cannot use shame to, to motivate people towards holiness and be gospel-centered because um, Romans 8, verse 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ because the gospel liberates us from shame and from guilt through what Jesus has done. Um so again, like th- this motivation is noble um, that you don't want to cause people hurt that you and um, and should be applauded. Obviously, if you're a church leader, you're not wanting to damage people. You want to, you want to help heal people and help um, people find restoration. Um, and again, uh, we, we have to find a way to live with our hearts soft to those who think differently than us without throwing away the instructions that the Lord uh, has gifted us with. That's where we have to mix speaking the truth with love. Um, and and a lot of that, I think, most times people can pick up really what your heart is. If your heart is really broken for people and you love them, um, you can say hard things, and and they'll receive it. And even if they don't, if you know if you know that your heart is clear and your conscience is clear before God, and that your true motivation is is to really love people, um, sometimes that's not going to be always received by people, and that's just a reality of church leadership, but as much as it's noble that you don't want to cause damage, um, that's why I encourage like inviting people into your process as a church leader, be like, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this sermon series on, on this, on sexuality, on identity. Um, what do you think about this? What do you think about some of the the messaging? What do you think about, uh, even some of my notes that I'm putting together? It's just, it's great to have, um, a multitude of counsel and really have people that are asking you the hard questions like, okay, what's, what's really going on in your heart with this? Are you, are you angry <laughs> because of what's going on in culture or are you, or do you have a broken heart because of what's going on in the heart of God as He looks um, into the lives of people, and so those those are good things um, to be just thinking about. On that um, next point, living a double life, man, this is hard, isn't it? I think as a church leader, especially, um, man, like we've we've got to be bringing this. Um, We've got to be bringing gospel centered perspective on sexuality and identity to our own lives. Um, You know, it's been said some leaders do not want to crack the Bible open on topics of sexuality because it could expose their own wickedness. And that's a reality. The Bible reads us at times, doesn't it? And I know um, as a church leader, it can be really tempting that you're studying the Bible uh, to have something to preach. And that's a responsibility that a lot of church leaders have. Um, but we need to be, you know, reading the Bible and studying the Bible because of our own relationship with Jesus, that we are searching and hungering uh, for the transformation that He's bringing to our lives. And, and I think if we can pursue humility, if we can be pursuing a, a broken heart before for God um, and that we're living as an integrated person, that we don't have, you know, multiple boxes in our lives of what what we do and what we do as a quote unquote job versus what our real life looks like, Um, you know, that we've got to be, we've got to be getting rid of those boxes. We're one person. Um, And I would say if that's you, if you're living with multiple kind of lives and like what you do at work, working in the church or working at a Christian organization and your life outside of that is is kind of a different person. Um, You know, Jesus is actually pretty, pretty stern in his warning. You know, he promised that everything that is done in, in secret places will be exposed in public. And and I'm I'm sure that the Holy Spirit has already been convicting you about this in your life, and you you may have closed your ears to Him. But if you continue down that path, um, there's mo- just only brokenness. There's only there's only guilt and destruction that comes from that. And and again, um, I don't need to be a prophet to know that. Not to say that I am a prophet, but I you don't need to be prophetic to know that. You just need to look in history that when people were not willing to deal with their own sin, um, their sin finds them out. And, and in some ways that's just the mercy of God, letting the consequences hit home so that brokenness could take place and repentance could take place and healing could take place in that person's life. But it doesn't mean it's free from fallout, you know, like we're, yeah, the the time does not, um, there's not enough time to go into all the, the realities of the fallout that has happened when leaders, um, are not living as a single person or as a, as a integrated person, but are living multiple lives. It's, it's heartbreaking. So again, just to recap what we've talked about so far, we can be dealing with the fear of the mob. We can be not wanting to cause damage, even though that's a noble motivation. Um, just fear of rege- fear of rejection or fear of, of hurt that that might take place in people's lives that's that's reality, but we have to be um, willing to to live with soft hearts and uh, yet yet be strong in what the Bible's strong about. Also in point six living a double life like I just said, we want to be an integrated person not living multiple lives. And lastly, point seven, you're not sure where to start. The issues are so widespread, it can be overwhelming to even know where to start. I would encourage you that as a spiritual leader, the very best place to start is in the scriptures themselves. Uh, God doesn't shy away from the subject like I already mentioned like there's only two letters um, in the New Testament specifically that don't mention sexuality um, one being Philemon and the other one being uh, second Thessalonians and so it's like the precedents there—it's like this topic is being talked about. If you're reading the Bible, it's being talked about. Um, it's not the only topic that's being talked about, but it's—it's definitely—it's definitely on the whiteboard. <laughs> if if you're to think of it that way, it's definitely something that's highlighted all over the place. So, you know, I just encourage you: don't shy away from the subject. Find your voice. In it, and again, that even plays into um, you know point five of not wanting to cause damage, and the great way to do that is to bring other people into it, other leaders into it, into your process with it and get their perspective. Like, Hey, um, how do you think I would approach this? Or, Hey, have you, have you approached this already? Have you done a series on it? What it, what was your take and what would you do differently? What were some things that you saw being fruitful? And that's all just going to help you to find your voice. And even if it travels at first, some things are just worth doing, you know what I mean? Even if they're not done uh, perfectly. And, um, but again, that's, that's courageous leadership, you know, is, is to, um, to do what's right instead of what's easy, and not um, and not be silenced. And this is where. Um, We really want to help leaders because we've put together a a sexual health evaluation tool that is just really an avenue of starting some conversations uh, for leaders uh, in their churches, looking at staff, looking at just teams that way. Are we are we building a healthy culture within our staff on these topics of sexuality, identity and relationships? You can also look at your general uh, church congregation and also take the survey towards um, looking at the families that are within your church. Are they are they thriving? Are they growing in this area? Are they being equipped in this area? So this is one of the things that we really want to have as a support for local church leaders um, to be talking about it. So those questions are completely free online, but if you're wanting to go deeper and you need to find some help with some strategy and just some some of the approach, we would love to support you in that. Um, and so you can shoot us an email at info at the union movement.com and just put a sexual health evaluation in the subject line and we'll get back to you and we can start a conversation About what that would look like and how we can support you best in that. So. I'm going to ask you the question, are you ready to start talking about it? Um, And we can help you, like I said, in that step forward, evaluating, educating yourself, and initiating uh, strategic steps to strengthen vulnerable areas. So again, I would encourage you to visit theunionmovement.com slash resources and uh, and start that process because all it takes for evil to abound is for good men and good women to do nothing. Um, So as Christian leaders, we have to respond to that call with the right heart and the right motivation and and watch Jesus transform people's lives. So again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you here again on The Union Podcast. Thanks for listening to The Union Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at theunionmovement.com. For more information, please visit our website, Theunionmovement.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Union Movement.